You're listening to the iterators of the Imperium. Hi, I'm Miss, and I'm here with my co-host Ryan, and you're listening to Season 2 of the Iterators of the Imperium podcast, the podcast in which Ryan is the expert on Warhammer 40k, and I'm the noob trying to, to learn about the Warhammer universe. But before we get into it, we do have a Patreon you guys can check out if you want to support the podcast. We also have a Discord where you can get in touch with us and have fun with our Warhammer community. But yeah, let's get into it. So Ryan, normally I would say what the topic is... Mm-hmm. But we are starting out this episode with uh, me fulfilling my destiny you set out for me a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I maintain you volunteered this. Yes, it's, it's just because, all right, just to abbreviate here, Ryan and I did an episode a couple of weeks ago where we talked about uh, not fan fiction, but fan theories about different factions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I came with a topic about the Tau and how they are advanced. Uh, so I got interested in, in the Tau, and from there, we de- decided that I was going to do a short segment, uh, which I will proceed to do now. And just a disclaimer, this is not going to be the main bulk of the episode. Ryan does have that, and we will get into that very, very shortly. But yeah, yes. would you like to hear a bit about the Tau, Ryan? Oh, miss, tell me about the Tau, please. All right, so first off, we got to get get it clear. They are a species, uh, like a humanoid alien. So they do look human-ish, except they have like a like a gl- like a blue and grayish tint to their skin color, uh, and a weird hairstyle. But that's besides the point. <laughs> but yeah, they are a technologically advanced and highly—I can't stress this enough—highly organized species who have formed a powerful empire known as the Tau Empire. Uh, they are also known for their advanced technology, strategic thinking, and efficient government. So they are all about that stuff. Mm. Um, the Tao Empire, as we would like to call them now, uh, is a rapidly expanding civilization which is consistently seeking uh, to expand its territory and inf- influence. They do have a very strong military and advanced uh, technology force for that, uh, which they use to conquer other species and planets. Uh, and the Tau uh, are led by a ruling council, uh, you know, so not dictatorship and stuff like that. They have a ruling council known as, and I'm sorry, I'm probably going to push this name, Ethereal Castle, or is Ethereal Caste, I'm sorry. Cast. Yeah, yeah, who are responsible for making important decisions and, you know, guiding the empire's expansion and how they proceed uh, forwards. Mm-hmm. Um. Their society is built around the concept of the greater good, so very socialistic, yeah. um, with the, which is to believe, you know, that the, the needs of the many outweigh the, the, the needs of the few. Yes. Which I actually kind of like, you know. In theory. Uh, and the, in theory. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, this philosophy is, you know, reflected in the, the government style and mil- military structure, which is highly organized and efficient. Um so, you know they are known for the advanced technology, right? Yeah. Uh, this includes not just advanced weapons and vehicles, but also like powerful artificial intelligence uh, systems, mm-hmm. which uh, I think is funny, especially in these, this day and age in real life, because <laughs> AI is taking over everything, as you probably have seen, Ryan. <laughs> yep. And everybody who's listening, like have heard of AI now at this point, like how it's taking over the world. 
Yeah, get um, a couple weeks. We won't be making these episodes anymore. It'll just be AI handling it. <laughs> they can even read for us, apparently. I don't know. <laughs> if we start sound, sound a bit like robots, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, they're, they're also skilled in like the diplomacy and they are often able to establish peaceful relationships with other species rather than just, you know, relying on like solely military force uh, to expand their empire. So they can actually also co- cooperate instead of, you know, just being, you know, a military force that takes over planet yeah. species. Uh, but yeah, the Tau Empire is constantly at war with other factions uh, in Warhammer, uh, including the Imperium of Man, uh, the Necrons uh, that we have spoke about, and you guessed it, chaos, like everybody else, right? Yep. <laughs> but yeah, they are considered like a, f- a formidable enemy by many other factions, and yeah, they all. Uh, the main thing about them is that they're known for the advanced technology and strategic thinking, uh, which I can't stop help after making these notes that this reflects well with the... Uh, I, I don't know why I keep saying fan fiction, but the fan theory about the Tau and people suspect they have a, an intact STC and that has helped them a lot. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, Ryan. That's that's only speculations at this point. It's possible. But yeah, though. it's possible. But yeah, yeah that's, that's just a brief, like a very brief... Uh, segment about the Tau and I mean I would personally like to do more of a deep dive uh, at some point yeah. uh, I don't know about you Ryan that, that, oh, that absolutely. could be We're happening definitely going to. it definitely will be yeah um, there is one thing I'm going to add that's quite quite an essential detail about the Tau because uh, okay. you mentioned the ethereals right so yes, yes. the Tau society is built in a caste system like you mentioned and there are five yes. castes right so there's four that are all elemental casts, so fire, earth, water, and air. And mm-hmm. it's because back when they were like just on their original planet, when they were still evolving to form society kind of thing, they ended up living in different kind of biomes. So you had some lived in the mountains, some lived in like by the rivers, some lived in forests, some lived kind of... Uh, just you know in hot areas kind of hotter climates things like that mm-hmm. and it led to evolution taking a weird change with them and they kind of all ended up being physically different as well as uh, as well as culturally so the fire cast are their warriors the earth cast are like their engineers the water cast I believe are traders and merchants and the air cast are pilots I think it is Mm-hmm. Or Watercast might be diplomats. Yeah. Anyway, so they all have like jobs that they do within society and you're born into it just by whatever race you are within their culture, which is quite mm-hmm. cool. Uh, but they were all living like this, all doing their own things. I think like the reason that the water cast are like diplomats and things and traders and stuff is because they lived by the rivers and they were like nomadic. They traveled constantly, so they met the other cultures, things like that. Uh, and the rest of it is usually just from, like, the area they were in bred that skill set. So, like, the Earth ones were in an area that were really that was really rich with minerals and stuff and materials. So you could yeah. you could become an engineer because you had the materials to develop that skill set. Things like that. Yeah. yeah. And then one day the Ethereals just rocked up and were like, we're in charge now, boys. <laughs> the greater good. As long as we're in charge. <laughs> 
Oh man, I- I'm looking yeah. forward to do like a full on episode about these guys. Oh hell yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah, it's gonna be very good. But I didn't expect this today. This, for the record, for everyone, I like there was a serious miscommunication that kind of went on, and neither <laughs> of us really knew what was going on with this, and this is what we've ended up with. So it's getting tagged on as a footnote at the start of an episode. And then we're going to do a deep dive later. We'll look into Commander Farsight and all his nonsense uh, mm. later date. When time allows. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, hold on. Uh, let me just do this again, Ryan, then. Uh, but let's get into it. So, Ryan, what is today's topic? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that, was, that was good. I like that. Oh. <laughs> so, I have a quote for you. Right? Yes. We, since we just did that with the towel, we now only have three topics left that it can be, right? And, uh-huh. like, based on the way this has went, two of them are Chaos Gods, and the other uh-huh. one is a type of Eldar. So, like, I feel like you might get it. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I hope so. Can, can <laughs> I just say, is it Slanesh? No, not Slanesh, a Sinch we're talking about today. It's Sinch. Hold on. Ah, let's go. Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't even need the quote. I don't even need the quote. I feel like from last time... You were kind of leading up to this, but I don't know. That's why. I, can, can, can we get the quote anyways? And I, I'll just pretend. Oh, all right, hell let's... yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, <clears throat> this world, this galaxy, all of it, all of it is ours to twist and corrupt as we will. Such elaborate artistry have we planned for the flesh and souls that you would, in your ignorance, gobble like mindless beasts. We shall cast you back into the outer dark from whence you came, for this reality is the plaything of the children of the eye, and you have no place in it. Oh, now I'm confused to ask who it is. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. God, you already told me, but that really threw me off. <laughs> Alright, yeah, we're talking about Zinch today. Yeah, alright, what do you yeah. know about Zinch? Let's hear it. Uh, it's a Chaos God, and it's basically... Horrendous. That's 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 all there is to it, essentially. Why do you think they're I mean, all horrendous? We've just covered the worst ones so far. Because from what I've heard about the other guys, and especially like we have talked talked about Siege before, mm-hmm. uh, but I I just want want to get the chaos cards over and done with because like they're usually very brutal, and since I have a visual mind, I, I tend to get like horrific images in my head. I think I need therapy, Ryan. <laughs> Probably, or you will by the time we're done. Uh, well, I'm telling you now, Zinch is the least brutal of them all, right? Like, it's cold and it's calculating, so there's no need for, like, excessive force or anything like that. He doesn't need to rot you inside out. He doesn't need your, your skull for his throne. He doesn't need you to have sex with, like, a creature that shouldn't even be conceivable by mankind. There's none of that. <laughs> He just wants you to fuck over your boss so you can get a promotion. And then he's happy. No, that, that's, that's, it. that's not so bad. That's yeah, not so that, bad. Exactly. Zinch is a chill dude compared to the rest of them. But he's also, like, the most cold and calculating one. It's all, like, sneaky and stuff. But, but like, Zinch is like, okay, so if my plan involves this planet getting slightly hotter, I need to destroy this planet in the middle. And he'll just have Magnus go and, like, delete it from existence. Like, <laughs> yeah, loads of people died, but he just didn't even notice. They weren't part of the plan. 
So it's it is cold and calculating to the most severe degree. I cannot stress that enough. But because of that, it's not like excessively brutal in like a grotesque sense. It is in a no. moral sense, sure, but that aside, <laughs> we don't do morality in 40k. What are we? Blood angels? <laughs> oh. There's one for you. Who are uh, who are Zinch's Chaos Marines? Which legions he got? Oh, I don't know. I'm just testing your knowledge here. All right, all right. We'll, we got, we got we'll to cover be it in about the episode. Today. Yeah, yeah, I just I just want to see what you know. All right, we'll cover uh, it in this episode anyway. But let's get into it. So, yeah, today we're talking about Zinch, the Chaos God of Change. He has a lot of titles, like they all do. I don't know why they all have 40 billion titles, but I suppose when you're a god, that is uh, that is your prerogative, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my favourite is still with Nurgle. You, you know what I mean. <laughs> Big Daddy Nurgle. Big, Big Daddy Nurgle. Nurgle. <laughs> <laughs> so he is called the Changer of Ways, the Master of Misfortune, the Great Conspirator, and the Architect of Fate. Okay. Right, his whole thing is he controls what happens because he's all about his crazy plans. Uh, apparently, as a god, he represents ambition, plotting, change, and psychic powers. Because he is also the god of magic. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, his greater demon is the Lord of Change. By the way, it's like a bipedal humanoid with a. Digigrade legs. Do you know what that means? Digigrade. No. You know, like uh, you know, like a werewolf. How when they stand up on their back legs, their legs are like oh. kind of like animally way, so they're kind of always yeah. tilted forward a bit. That like yeah. that. So they have legs like that, and they have like, like a, a bird head. Yeah, I ah, like yeah, kind of like cat. <laughs> uh, they have a bird <laughs> head and have like bird wings as well. Uh, Zinch yeah. likes his bird stuff for the record. He likes things with feathers for some reason. I don't really know why. I mean, then I'm going to like it too. Yeah, I have a thing for for wings, apparently. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you, you know, you with Sanguinius and yeah, and, and Celestine. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Yeah, you do like your wings. Yeah. Uh, wait till we get the Corvus Corax. You're gonna like him. Uh, oh, I mean, you've told me. I, I look forward to it. Oh hell yeah! Uh, also, for some reason, these things remind me of something from like Egyptian mythology. Because they have like people with like bird heads and stuff all the time, you know. So, yeah, those pictures I, about yeah. Yeah, it, it's kind of like something from that, but they just turn up out of nowhere, wielding a staff and just draining <laughs> the soul from things. But you know, such is life. A lot of things in forty k do that, I guess. <laughs> yep. uh, and Zinch's sacred number is nine. Just okay. so you know. So like, if if you buy Zinch's troops, you'll get nine of them in a box. <laughs> Oh, lovely yeah. stuff. Most bang for your buck was each. So, unfortunately, unlike Slanesh, we don't know when Zinch came into being exactly. There are, like, a couple of like, theories and stuff about it, but unfortunately, because documented history in 40k only really begins after the Dark Age of technology, so once the Emperor was up and about... Stuff before that is sketchy at best and rarely exists. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, as an example, right? A piece of history that exists but is not correct, right? 
there is a book about Belisarius Call, and in it, he is explaining that he has bartered with a group of space marines whose planet was ravaged by Terranids. Basically, he's promised to fix their planet so that it's no longer, like, void of life in exchange mm-hmm. for their help. And he's questioned on this. So how, how could you possibly do that? And his answer is, it's the, the planet is the Middle Earth sign. And the guy's like, what the hell does that mean? And he's like, ah, oh, back in ancient times on Terra, there was a famed, uh, I think it was like a space colony, he calls her, uh, Golgilak, who uh, had a theory of uh, the three R sign, two being too far to extremes and the middle being perfect for the uh, sustainment of life. And... The funny thing is, the story he's talking about is Goldilocks because we use the term Goldilocks to say our planet is per- is like fit for human life. <laughs> so that's the level of history that passes on. It is all misremembered and terrible. <laughs> so we have no idea when Zinj really came into being because that's the kind of shit we're dealing with, right? <laughs> yeah. Um... But as far as we, as far as I can glean from what people talk about online, the best guess is during the Renaissance era. So in like, well, I assume it'd be like Renaissance era, and they're talking about like Italy with like the Borgias and stuff like that, all the shit that was going on there with their crazy plotting and things. But the thing is, Zinch just draws on change that comes from every living being. Life begets change, you know. Soon as something's mm-hmm. alive, it causes change and it will change in itself. It's just a natural yeah. thing that happens. So yeah. since that first started, Zinch has been drawing on it, and then one day gained sentience, and people think that that occurred during the Renaissance. Hmm. I I don't agree with that. I think that makes no fucking sense, but whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, origin-wise, eh, questionable at best. <laughs> Yeah, he should. Uh, his origins should be from Corona. <laughs> Everybody was, you know, in a bad state. That's Nurgle's thing, man. Oh yeah, that that's more fitting. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. So if you were to, like watch what the followers of Zinch did, right? If you were like keep an eye on a bunch of groups of Zinch's followers, you'd probably think. These dudes are just as random and barbaric as the rest of the Chaos Cultists. But you'd yeah. be wrong. Because Zinch doesn't do anything that doesn't further his end goal of becoming the dominant Chaos God. Zinch is running one long game plan to become like the God of Gods. <laughs> that's, that's their entire thing. That's all they're trying to do. And everything that Zinj does or causes or affects in any way is purely to push that plan further forward. Mm-hmm. Just so you know. Uh, and that can be anything from like his cultists attacking or like corrupting a planet to follow Zinj, or like him sending Magnus the Red to attack Fenris. It's all part of the mm. same plan. Yeah, I mean, I'm about to say Zinj was like. You call him the chaos god of change, right? Yeah. So yeah, surely planning and scheming is <laughs> that's his whole thing. Yeah, so it, it fits the it fits the narrative, right? That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Zinch takes great delight in plotting and like politicking. You know, you know, like just 
I don't know, I guess if politics in general are, by definition, a, th- a thing that causes change and usually affects great numbers of people. So, that's his whole thing. He loves that shit. He's all over politics and crazy plotting and, you know, just cunning in general. That's He's, he's a weird dude. He, he likes the secrets and stuff. Yeah. It's really like, it's the manipulative over the violent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like temptation, and like actually, a lot of the temptation that Zinch puts forward is to uh, people with psychic powers, because it is really easy to tempt someone to fall a Zinch when the only thing they have to do is cast one very different spell than the one they're doing right now, you know? Yeah. So, psychers are very much at risk of Zinj getting a hold of them. Hmm. He really favours the psychers. So, overall, Zinj uh, is a sneaky bastard, and he likes his magic. That's honestly the main thing to take away from it. Yeah, that is why he loves Magnus. <laughs> That's it. I might, yeah. be why Magnus, it might be why Magnus likes him. I'll be honest with you, I'm at a point where I'm pretty sure Magnus is the, is the one in charge of that relationship. although i'm starting to realize more and more that the chaos gods and the chaos primarchs are like not as closely linked as people would believe because it seems like people in like within the universe think that magnus goes around doing zinch's bidding and martarian goes around doing nurgle's bidding and things like that and like the majority of the time, they're just dicking around doing whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> like, they, it just they, so happens to be, you know, beneficial for somebody uh, else, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. They're like, it's more like uh, getting paid to put an advertisement on your car, right? That's what it seems like to me a lot of the time. Like, Mortarian's like, all right, I'm going to go fuck up this planet. And Nurgo's like, okay, here's a disease. And he's like, all right, I suppose. <laughs> may as well <laughs> but like a lot of the time like hey, there's a whole trilogy that's just Mortarian be- being told to go to this other place to fight the other chaos gods for Nurgle uh, by like other greater demons in Nurgle and Mortarian just going nah I'm gonna go kill my brother <laughs> and I'm like, dude Nurgle is literally telling you not to do this and to go do this other thing and he's like gonna go kill Gilliman <laughs> so it's a lot of that and like most of what Magnus does I'm like I don't think Zinch even knows he's doing this shit <laughs> he keeps turning up on the whole world of the space wolves and attacking the joint for some reason and you're like fair enough revenge but I don't think Zinch gives a fuck no he don't, he don't give a shit <laughs> yeah so I'm like I don't think the Primarchs really give a fuck about the Chaos Gods <laughs> I think they just took some of their power and pissed off yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting for the day that, like, one of them really pisses off a Chaos God and we get a whole series that's, like, Chaos Primarch versus Chaos God, but, like, their own God. <laughs> That'd be cool. I feel like uh, I feel like Magnus would win that fight against Zinch. I don't know why. What you do? And, yeah, honestly, I, I feel like he could manage it. <laughs> Magnus is pretty nuts nowadays. I mean, I know he's one of your favorite characters, but oh. well, he's Oof. trying to become a god at the moment. 
Oh, Ryan, spoiler. Nah, that's fine. Uh, nah, it's, it's, fine. It's, it's in the episode anyway, don't worry about it. Ah, okay, great. Yeah. Well, spoiler for the, for the rest of the episode. Uh-huh. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so the realm of Zinch is the Crystal Labyrinth, right? Mm-hmm. It is a realm made of raw magic. It is basically a constantly twisting mass of like weird magical forces that makes an ever-changing labyrinth that is impossible to navigate. And because it's so weird and magical, you're forced to view it in nine dimensions. Okay. Yeah. So not only is it like a bewildering concept to try and navigate, which is impossible to do. It's physically impossible to navigate unless you are one of Zinch's greater demons or something like that. Yeah. Um, it will also tear your mind apart just trying to figure out what you're looking at. So <laughs> if you enter, you'll probably end up just wandering aimlessly because in the first like half a second of being there, you'll lose your mind, your sanity, and your ambition for why you were there in the first place. So you'll just wander like a zombie through this place for eternity. Now, if you get to the actual center of it, so like, say you are one of Zinch's demons, you just walk to the middle because you know the way, you would find the impossible fortress. (laughs) And rather than trying to explain the impossible fortress, I'm going to read you Games Workshop's explanation of it from the 4th edition Chaos uh, Demon Codex. Okay. Uh, At the centre of the Crystal Labyrinth, hidden from those who have not this insane insight to find it, stands the Impossible Fortress. The architecture of the Bastion is constantly replaced by new and ever-maddening spires, gates and walls. Doors and other entrance points yawn open like starving mouths before clamping uh, clamping for eternity moments later, barring all access. Within the fortress, time and space does not exist at all, and gravity shifts and changes or disappears altogether. Lights of every colour, some even unknown to the real universe, springs from the shifting walls. For mortals who are also locked in their physical ways, the fortress is impenetrable. Men are driven insane while their bodies might implode or be pulled apart by the forces unleashed by uh, Zinch's passing thoughts. Even immortal demons cannot easily endure the twisted horror of the impossible fortress, and only the Lords of Change can safely navigate its corridors and tread the secret paths that lead to the inner sanctum of the fortress, the hidden library, where Zinch, the puppet master himself, resides eternally plotting. <laughs> so that sounds like a fun place. Mm-hmm. I, f- I think the it- phrase living nightmare is uh, quite accurate here. Yeah. Hold on, I actually want to comment on something. So colors that we ha- even haven't even seen before. Yeah. Ooh. I'm, t- I'm just sorry. I, I-, I-, I was like, huh. That, that's actually an interesting concept. Imagine if we as a human race in this day and age haven't actually found all the colors. Oh, we haven't. Are you sure? Yes. Are I, you sure uh, about that? Yes, the human eye can only see so many colors, like so many grady, like uh, sets of colors. But like, I believe it is that the peacock mantis shrimp can see 32 colors that humanity can't. What? Yeah, it's a real thing. The human eye can only perceive so much because they're not very uh-huh. good. Human eyes are actually quite shit. I mean, 
I mean, up until you know Elon Musk's takeover and we get the the imprint, uh, like that that brain chip, and we can like upgrade our eyes. Like we're gonna become humanoids ourselves, right? By the way, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> nah, he's gonna piss off the Mars and start the Mechanicum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ryan, Ryan, we have talked about this. Elon Musk is the current day emperor. <laughs> See, I, I'm I'm starting a question. It might be Bezos. Bezos. He'd be Bezos. I reckon he could take I, Musk in a fight, and I don't think anyone can take the Emperor in a fight. <laughs> you know, that's my logic here. Purely that Musk does not look particularly tough, and Bezos is an absolute tank. <laughs> so I'm like, I mean, well, I don't think anyone looks at the Emperor and goes, whoops. I think they all look nah. at him and go, that man is a unit. <laughs> he's power and he's strong. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Although I'm I don't know if you Jeff off. Bezos oh. has magical powers. I mean, we don't know. He has a lot of money. Oh, so. well, apparently he can see the future because of the way he's like built his company. Apparently he's always been like 40 steps ahead with everything technology-wise technology and ideal-wise. So maybe Wait, it's the just Emperor? the Emperor pissing away his powers of foresight. Oh, I was about to say, are you talking about the Emperor or Jeff Bezos? Jeff Bezos. <laughs> But yeah, let's get back on track right there. <laughs> we came out of it. Yeah, Bezos isn't even yes. in charge anymore. It's all a bit jassy now. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, the followers of Siege, right? Like mm-hmm. we always do, we're going to start by going over his, uh, his what's it called? Greater Demon, again. So, Lord of Change. We did mention them earlier, you know. Bipedal, humanoids, degraded legs, bird head, wings. Uh, apparently their eyes are pits of darkness and being near them saps away your soul so they're fun oh, guys to lovely. be around yeah, yeah. it like drains your life force and your will to fight just being near them looking into their creepy eyes they're pretty horrifying dudes to be honest with you uh, apparently getting gunned down and then slapped by a dreadnought is a good way to derail them for a few minutes though <laughs> Uh, just so you know so if you're ever going to fight a Lord of Change take a Dreadnought with you right yeah yeah uh, I'm curious actually Jenga Titan could just stand on him <laughs> dead <laughs> back to the work with you I wonder if that actually would work because like I know you just need to destroy their physical form but like how much do you need to destroy it like does it have to be an explosive or like can you just mangle it beyond repair <laughs> Perhaps I don't know. I, I don't know either. I reckon we get a Primark to like roundhouse the head off of one of them someday, and we just see what happens. If it dies, we know that like stomping on it would probably get it too. Yeah, I feel like they're equivalent. Those, those are the questions that keep me awake at night. <laughs> I don't, I've just got a video, or I've just got like a, an idea of Jagatai Khan in like Messi's fucking football strip running up and roundhousing the head off of a demon. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to play football. Um, it's going to be Jagatai Khan, I think. He likes going fast, and he's yeah. I imagine he runs like an absolute tank. Anyway, moving on from this yes. nonsense. <laughs> So I should expect from Zinch's guys, they are immensely powerful sorcerers and they're very skilled at manipulation. Also, interestingly, they also choose to appear very frail. So like their arms and legs are quite gangly, quite like kind of like skin tight to the bone style. So they don't look like they're very strong, 
But they actually are. They just choose to take a form that makes them look physically weaker than they are uh, to, like, mm. deceive their enemies. So I guess you'd get close to it thinking, ah, oh, right, well, if I can avoid the sorcery and get in close, I can stab fuck out of it. But actually, you'd get in close and it'd just drop you, <laughs> like, one punch. Yeah, it feels like, what, what is that, uh, that animal that, that does that in real life? Like, looks physically weak to lure in, you know, other Oh, I don't know. And- I, I, I believe no it's idea. actually something that an animal that does that in real life. There probably is. That sounds real, but I don't know what it is. Huh. Yeah, I believe it's like it's some form of predator that takes a form or like looks weak, and then when its prey comes closer, it's just like you know kicks its ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Right, the horror of Zinch. I like these guys. These are funny. Right, so. It's, this is the lesser demon of Zinch, like the Nurglings for Nurgle, right? Yeah. Little, little weird things, right? Basically, they are bipedal creatures with four arms and tentacles coming out their back, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty weird. Uh, like all of Zinch's troops, they are sorcerers, but these ones have pretty varying abilities. Like, your Lords of Change are all, like, the best of the best sorcerers kind of hang. But these guys, some of them are better than others. So some of them can only, like, throw fire, like, just typical warp fire. Whereas some of the others can, like, craft magical items out of their body and stuff like that. <laughs> so it's very varying skill sets among these guys. Um, but they come in two colors. Right? This is an important mm-hmm. detail. The pink horror, which are just disturbingly happy. They just make little noises of excitement all the time. What? Yeah. And the blue horror, which splits into smaller blue horrors when its body is destroyed. It's like a slime from Minecraft. (laughs) (laughs) Which I found hilarious. I want to get a model of just like a million tiny ones just on one platform. (laughs) Same troop size, but they're just like, it's just a little mass of little tiny blue ones. It'd be great. Yeah. Uh, So we have the Screamers. They are like magic manta rays. It looks like a manta ray, by the way, except it has little horns coming out of it in some places. Honestly, they just kind of fly around the warp in, in huge groups and eat stuff like piranhas. Um, for yeah. some reason, I guess because they're like a warp-born entity, their teeth can bite through basically anything because I guess it's like a magic blade kind of thing. Um, yeah. So they can eat their way through Geller fields, you know, the shields that keep the warp away from spaceships when they're traveling through the warp. Yeah. They, they can eat through them. <laughs> They can just eat through the energy, stuff like that. But they can also eat through, like, armor and basically anything else. So a big, like, horde of these will just descend on your ship while you're in the warp. And basically your only option is to hope to God they don't find a way in or immediately crash jump back into real space and hope to God you're not inside something else when you come out. Yeah. Uh, Oh, that's a bad day, Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, not fun. (laughs) Um... So, interestingly, some screamers are bound in metal and become discs of zinch. And basically, it's just a magical frisbee, right? 
Uh, it's just a magical metal disc at that point, which uh, other Zenshin creatures use as a mount. So, like, sorcerers will stand on top of the disc of each and will be able to, like, tell it where to go with it with their mind. And they just use it to carry them around the battlefield and stuff like that because it can fly. Yeah. So they have a height advantage and things. They just, no matter what happens, every thousand sun can always scream, it's over, I have the high ground, because their disc just rises slightly. Oh, God. <laughs> you just had to get that reference in there. Huh? I had to. It was a must. Yeah. Uh, and as far as Chaos Marines, the, the followers of each are typically members of, thousand, of the thousand suns. But they are not like other Chaos Marines, right? Because all the other Chaos Marines are space marines that have turned to chaos, right? <laughs> but the Thousand Sons are either sorcerers of the Thousand Sons, which have turned to follow Zinj, or they are the Rubric Marines, which I don't think count as following Zinj. <laughs> <laughs> So we did mention the Rubric Marines before. It's a Araman cast a ritual to try and stop the Thousand Sons from mutating. And inevitably, all it did was turn all the like the weaker people. So only like the best of the best survived this, basically. Everyone else got turned into like dust inside their armor. So they have like no mind left. They just respond to psychic commands now. And that's it. Hmm. So they're like automaton now. But because there are Thousand Sun sorcerers that follow Zinch, like some of the survivors, it means that it has masses upon masses of rubric marines under his control as well, because those sorcerers had the rubric with them. Or the rubric A, sorry, with them. So there are rubric marines working under Zinch, but not like by choice or anything. They just happen to be there. Like, there could just as easily be a bunch of them with the Eldar, you know? Yeah. They just happened to turn up with each, that's all. Uh, also, the group that he has, like, of the Thousand Sons that follow him, is even further split up by the fact that a huge portion of their living Thousand Sons aren't even followers of Magnus. <laughs> There's, like, a massive amount of them are just, like, in random chaos war bands fucking around, blowing shit up for a laugh. And then an even bigger amount follow Araman trying to fix the rubricate. So the amount of Thousand Sons that actually follow Zinj is quite a small number. Because okay. there basically was just always a better option than following Magnus. <laughs> Which, it's quite a horrible thing, because Magnus' whole deal was that he was trying to protect them. Hmm. <laughs> oh well, such is life. What can you do? Yeah, but that aside, the rubrique, as far as you, just that you need to know, they are just automaton versions of Space Marines. Uh, and since the Horus Heresy, their armor is now cerulean blue with gold trim instead of the crimson that they used to wear. Because they used to match the Crimson King, but then once they went all heresy style, they decided to, you know, repaint for Zinch. Yeah. Yeah. And because they're soulless or the mindless automatons, they basically just carry bolters. They don't, like, do anything fancy most of the time. Which is unfortunate, because they're very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as far as notable characters, right, we've got a few that we're going to go over here. All right. 
So the first one I'll mention is the Changeling, right? The Changeling is one of Zinch's creatures that has the ability to take the form of anyone. Which means it can turn into, like, your commanding officer, give you incorrect commands, and then disappear. And you'll just be doing the wrong thing. And it'll cause, like, distrust and trickery amongst your, like, your side of the battle. And he just fucks around the universe, just messing with people like that. (laughs) Wait, I have a question uh, for that. Yeah. So you say you can take the form of literally everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Does it, like, inherit the power as well? No. The person, uh, no. Not the power. So if it takes a form of somebody who can fly, can it fly? With wings, yes. With magic, probably... Actually, I would say probably not, but maybe because it is one of Zinch's creatures. But I think that wouldn't be getting their magic. It would just be using its own to mimic theirs. So as far as I'm aware, it's a purely physical change. Yeah, it's right. only aesthetic, not like... Yeah, yeah as far as I'm aware, I could be wrong, but as far as I'm aware, it's a purely aesthetic change. So right. It, right. it allows them to, like, fuck with people, but it's not going to, like, let you become a god. You're not no. going to turn into Magnus <laughs> I mean, and go the, box and we're rebooting Gilliman, right? That's, 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 that's obviously a limit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So, like, you could probably turn into, like, any space marine you want and be like, happening, oh, what's going on? And just, like, mess with people by lying to them and stuff. But yeah. I don't think that, like, he immediately becomes, like, as strong as a space marine if he isn't already. He is a demon, so maybe he is already. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I just think, you know, with the muscle density they have, they should be strong. But, hey, he'll, the thing is, they ain't ever going to need it. Because, like, if they take a form of somebody powerful, nobody's going to challenge them anyway, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. The only people that would would be the people that would know that that's not the actual guy because they're on the same it's side. Like, yeah, it's very deceiving, Ryan, but that's, that's it. it fits the theme. It fits yeah. the theme. Uh, funny thing about this guy, right? There is a book called Return... No, Ashes of Prospero. Ashes of Prospero, right? And it's uh, it's Space Wolves going to the Thousand Suns homeworld, like after the Great Rift has opened and everything. So it's like after Gilliman's back. So that planet has been desolate nothingness for like 10,000 years since they bombed the crap out of it in the first place during the heresy, right? And mm-hmm. the, the idea is that Magnus had built a, a series of like kind of a network of portals of a separate realm on Prospero, basically like a mini webway, right? That the yeah. Thousand Suns could use. And... During the battle where they bombed the crap out of the planet, a bunch of the space wolves got locked in battle inside that uh, that realm with Thousand Suns. So uh-huh. they're going to try and release them to get their guys back because their numbers are diminishing rapidly. So they need the extra space wolves, even if they are 10,000 years old. They still need them, you know? Yeah. 10,000 yeah. years of experience makes you a hell of a good warrior. <laughs> so they go to get him back, and during it, there's a side story with a guy called Lucas the Trickster, who basically just tags along with him with a group of like freshly blooded space marines at, like behind him, um, and he, he acts like he's training them. He's kind of just dicking around, but this guy's whole thing is he just fucks around all the time, and everyone hates him. <laughs> it's his whole storyline. Everyone hates him, and he just fucks around. But he's an incredible space marine. He's startlingly good at what he does for someone that never takes anything seriously. 
and it's like two separate storylines because he just fucks off away from the like the main group and has nothing to do with saving anyone, which is very <laughs> funny. But in his travels, there's a point where they're inside this big weird network of portals and everything. And one of their commanders runs over and is like, oh, there you are. Come on, everyone's this way. Hurry up. And they, like, follow after him. And Lucas just immediately blasts his head off. And it turns out he's the changeling. And the, the guys behind him are like, how the hell did you know that that wasn't him? How did you know it was a trick? And he's like, you saw him. No one's ever smiled when they saw me. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I love Lucas. But yeah, so that's the kind of thing they do. They just try to mess with people. They just try to lure them in a trap. But yeah, yeah, change like fun guy. Uh, oh, the blue scribes, right? These guys have a little bit of a story behind them, right? <clears throat> so, ancient times, like long ago, before any kind of recorded history, Zinch reigned over the other chaos gods. He was the most powerful by far, right? Mm-hmm. But. Eventually, the other Chaos Gods kind of joined together and were like, fuck you, Zinch, we're going to kick your ass. So all three of them just tagged, like, tag-teamed up on him at once. And he started thinking, okay, I genuinely could lose this fight. So I'm going to surrender. I'm going to play the long game here. So as an act, like, to show he surrendered, he shattered his crystal staff over his, like, he shattered his crystal staff, right? And uh, that was like the end of the war because others were like, all right, cool, you've surrendered. You're not going to be a dick anymore. Um, but in shattering the crystal staff, it exploded in like a big blast of sorcery. And the mm-hmm. shards of the staff were scattered across all space and time. The thing is, every shard of the staff contained a different spell. Right? Yeah. Funnily enough, this lines up exactly with when magic is said to have come into existence in the material world. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after this, Zinch created the Blue Scribes. They're two blue horrors that have been tasked with scouring the galaxy for the lost shards and documenting the spells on scrolls. The idea being to one day regain the lost power and then he could, you know be in charge again. Uh, so these two little uh, blue horrors just roam around on a disc of each with scrolls containing every spell ever to have existed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just what they do. And funnily enough, in the same book, Lucas kicked their asses and stole a, scroll- a spell off of them. <laughs> yeah, that guy gets around. Uh, also... I want you to know, for the record, these two idiots, they constantly talk in rhymes and they do it with each other. And it is the most annoying thing ever. Oh. It's like something out of fucking Dr. Seuss, but demons, I guess. (laughs) But condescending arseholes about it. It's so annoying. So we don't like those guys particularly because they're annoying as hell. Yeah. Right. Lastly, of course, we have to mention Magnus the Red, because he is the man. Right? He yes. is the demon Primarch Zinch, the Crimson King of the Thousand Suns Legion, you know? Yeah. So, right, need a little backstory on Magnus here, just so you know, right? 
So, Magnus was once shattered into shards of himself. Now, we're going to get into the actual storyline that surrounds this when we do the Magnus episode in the next season, but Mm -hmm. Magnus was shattered into shards of himself, each taking on, like, a particular kind of aspect of who he was, right? But they were all, like, a fully flesh-and-blood version of him. They just embody different traits. That's all. Um, So... For example, the Crimson King was the... It's the primary shard of Magnus, like the main section of him, which uh, was on the planet of the Sorcerers. Then you've got the shard that was on Prospero, which apparently was quite neutral about the whole like Horus and the Emperor thing. He was quite ambivalent about it all. And he tried to like get Jagatai Khan to take a side when Jagatai Khan didn't want to. So Jagatai Khan killed him. So that shard died. Yeah, sorry, there's one that's like the warrior aspect of him, that when they find him is just like, oh, I'm so glad to be rid of that pansy-ass magic side of myself. Now I can just murder things and punch stuff to death. So he's a fun guy. So it's all stuff like that. There's a bunch of different kind of sections to Magnus that were all scattered all over the place in different areas that were like meaningful to him. Yeah. Yeah. And... The Thousand Sons believe they have rounded them all up and put them all back together. So the current Magnus is actually the original Magnus as well, minus the shard that Jagatai Khan destroyed. Yeah. Now, that's just a bit of backstory, because it's, it's kind of relevant in here, but uh, while the whole heresy thing uh, failed, Magnus kind of knew that like, it had all been part of Zinch's plan, including the Thousand Suns falling to mutation, and now with a rubric, the Thousand Sun Legion, like, they were all scholars, you know? That's why Magnus loved them. He had raised them to question things, to learn. And now with a rubric, they literally can't even think. They have no mind of their own. So Magnus had lost everything after the heresy. His whole world was gone because the space wheels destroyed it. His legion was in ruins, and his favourite son, Araman, had turned against him. So Magnus vowed, just like uh, Horus did, that he would see the galaxy burn. Ooh. Yeah. So people look at Magnus and they're like, ah oh, yeah, he's Zeech's guy, he's all about the sneaky plans, he's only working towards something. Nah, only thing Magnus is working towards is destroying everything. <laughs> All he wanted was to keep his sons alive and healthy, and no one would let him do that. The Emperor wanted him to kill them, Horus was a dick, Zinch wanted him to kill them, everyone wants to kill his sons, and he's fucking sick of it. (laughs) Why do I feel like uh, reminiscing over your TikTok before you got very much into Warhammer, where you did the TikTok about Magnus? He got done dirty, you know? They did! They did him dirty! He didn't have a fucking chance! They did him dirty! He tried so hard to be a good boy, and no one let him. He just wanted to be a good no. dad, you know? Yeah. Oh. So, Magnus has since done a bunch of stuff. He's been one of like the really busy Primarch demons. So, mm-hmm. he has attacked Fenris for revenge. Fenris is the Space World homeworld, by the way. He attacked the place yeah. for revenge, as you would, obviously. Uh, he's been endlessly fighting wars against the other chaos gods within the warp 
Uh, he hijacked Araman's attempt to fix the rubric to allow himself to reclaim more lost shards of himself. Luckily, mm-hmm. the shards that were left over were like the the nicer ones, I guess, the ones that are more honorable and noble. So Magnus might actually become a more reasonable guy now. Hmm. Like that genuinely might be a thing that happens. He might level out a bit because apparently all the bits that he had until this point were the sociopath parts. <laughs> uh. And it seems that now uh, Magnus is trying to become a god. Uh, he attacked Fenris. I, and it, So he attacked Fenris again. <laughs> he just likes attacking that planet at this point. But yeah. he, this time he did it to sacrifice a bunch of people there to allow him to make a giant warp rift and bring the planet of the sorcerers, so his new homeworld, into the material realm to give Zinch like a foothold in reality. Mm-hmm. So dude has been very busy. <laughs> yeah, sounds like that. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the whole like Ashes of Prospero series is actually in relation to Magnus trying to build like a foothold for Zinch in the real world. Uh, and luckily, Lucas fucks that all up for him. <laughs> so that's fun. Uh, and they also... So, the Ashes of Prospero thing is a really interesting story that I do want to tell you at some point. But there's a really interesting thing that happens in it. And it's that, obviously, the people that are there don't know 10,000 years have passed, right? It's 10,000-year-old Horus Heresy era uh, space wolves fighting Thousand Suns within this, like, pocket dimension. And then you've got the new guys come in and tell them, like, what's going on. And there's a great point where um, they uh, they explain, the, or it's the head psyker from the Space Wolves currently is the one that's leading it. He explains to the old leader of the Space Wolves, the one that's leading the group that were already there, he explains to them about everything that's happened, that Horus turned against the Emperor and everything like that. And then the guy keeps trying to fight the thousand sons that are there. And it's one of it's one of his own men, like tackles him to the ground, holds him down, and is like, listen to what he said. Horus turned against the Emperor. And he's like, so we were still ordered by the Emperor to kill the thousand sons. Like, no, we weren't. Lehman Ross only spoke to Horus. He didn't speak to the Emperor. And there's like this great moment where they all realize that this whole thing only occurred because of Horus, and they've been fighting for 10,000 years. And the, the Thousand Sons are still seen as traitors, all because Horus lied. <laughs> Which is just such a great thing. There's like a moment where one of the Thousand Sons psychers is like, were it not for Horus, we might have been allies. And they're like, we might still be. So currently in 40k, you've got Magnus trying to bring, like, or try to make a foothold for Zinch, and you've now mm-hmm. got uh, ancient space wolves back in the game, and you've got Thousand Suns that are not chaos corrupted or mutated back in the game as well, which is cool. It's it's a really weird concept, but it's I found it cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's another one that I would like to actually cover the storyline for that at some point. Mm-hmm. We are going to get to a point where we're going to have chat by seasons that we can like throw in actual storyline sections, uh, as well as like kind of 
I guess because I suppose it's just this season that doesn't have the storyline stuff because this one is like overviews of the kind of things you might need to know going forward about these factions to understand the storylines. We're just yeah, trying to condense yeah. all of that into one season to make it quite easy moving forward. Yeah. But in future, we'll be able to be like talking about like the Blood Angels chapter, and the next episode can just be the story of Dante, their their leader, stuff like that. So yeah. we'll be we'll be able to mix up with stories more often in the next one because I feel like the story ones are I don't know it's a different kind of flow and I enjoy them more. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I that's a bit all I had to say about uh, Zinch's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, do you want me to round it up then? Oh, go ahead. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Iterators of the Imperial Podcast. It's been me, Miss, and Ryan, and we will see you in the next one. Take care and pace. Bye.